you said, God is not impressed with how well we can function in a given situation. And it's like, I mean, I I am so type A. I'm so guilty of this. Like, God, look, look at how I cruised through that major crisis. Yes, Yes, (laughs) exactly. It's like, like you're welcome, God. You didn't have to take care of me. (laughs) Exactly. Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four elementary age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at ComparedToWho.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compared to Podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore, and I'm glad you're listening today because I have a special guest who's going to talk to us about the subject of change. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but change isn't exactly my favorite word. <laughs> well, Gina Butts and her husband, Eric, they've served in full-time ministry for 25 years, 13 of them in East Asia. So you can imagine she's experienced some change. They're currently raising their two-third culture kids and an imported dog in Orlando, Florida. And Gina is the global leadership development person at crew headquarters her first book making peace with change navigating life's messy transitions with honesty and grace came out this month and i can't wait to read the whole thing i've read a lot of it but gina welcome to the compared to podcast thank you heather it's really fun to be here so tell me change i'm guessing that change <laughs> must have been an issue in your life i think it's an issue in everyone's life but why write a book about change what prompted you to tackle this huge topic yeah well there were a lot of reasons i mean one thing is people say, write what you know. Mm. So this is what I know. Um, I think if it had been up to me, I probably would have lived down the street from my parents in my hometown my entire life. And and yet, (laughs) you know, God just took us everywhere around the world. And partly that's, you know, his calling and also because my husband is very adventurous. So he loves change. He loves new things. And I love my routine and my structure and everything being the same. So it's just been something that God has used in my life to teach me so many things. And I think a big part of it was, this is the book that I wish that I had had. Mm. Um, When I became a new mom or when we moved overseas for the first time, when I got married, when I started new jobs or when my kids moved into a new, you know, stage of life. Like it's just any of those times where life is disrupted. I always have felt this, like, how do I do this well? And how do I do this in a way that I don't just shut down my heart and press through and put on a brave face and pretend I'm okay when I'm not. So I really wanted to, to write something that really gave people permission to acknowledge where they don't feel okay and that's okay because God can meet you there and um and you can find the grace that you need to get not just get through it but really to to let it transform you in in good ways. Yeah, that's really good. And I loved 
I'd never heard this before, but you had in your book that fine could stand for yeah. feelings inside, <laughs> not expressed. Yes. It's like, that is so awesome. But I think you're, you're really onto something because how often when we're going through change, do we believe the only way we can get through it is to kind of white knuckle it, you know, suck yeah. it up, buttercup, yeah. you know, exactly. hold your breath. It doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what you like, you know, yes. you just, just grit your teeth and bear it. Yes. And and so I think what you're saying is there is a better way to do that. Mm -hmm. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Would you like to expand on that? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because um, thinking of, I know that you talk a lot about comparison and with regard, especially to body image. And I was thinking, you know, there's a very similar dynamic that happens in change because we can set up this ideal of like the way we should be doing in transition, mm -hmm. you know, like I should be doing well. And that means that I should look like I have it together and I know how to do this and I'm not emotional and I'm not crying in the middle of the grocery store and you know, like yeah. all of those things. And I think the enemy kind of puts that idea in our head and then we feel like, oh, I have to be that. And, and any way that I'm falling short of that feels like failure. It feels discouraging. So now I've forgotten your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, th that's okay. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on something you said, because it's funny. Okay. Like that's my next book that comes out in mm -hmm. September is called the burden of better. And mm. so it is kind of exactly what you were saying. It's about that. How should I be right. wearing the weight of those should be's? And yes. I think for me, and I don't know if you got into this in your book or not, but you talked briefly about like the transition to motherhood. Like for yeah. me, Oh, that shook my world. Yes. And there were so many should be's in, in my head and in my heart um, mm -hmm. during that transition Yes, that I really do think I had to just, just kind of, I don't know, shut off. I had to decide mm -hmm. that this was just the way it was going to be. And my expectations were shattered and I was just going to have to live with mm -hmm. it. And it took me a really long time to process, process that in a healthy way, yeah. uh, in, a, in a way that I think. God would have, would have wanted, you know, me to do during the situation. So what is your recommendation? How do you keep from just turning off and change? Yeah. How do you, how do you handle that? In some cases that letdown of things aren't the way I wanted it to be. Yeah. Well, I think, um, one of the biggest things, you know, the first, there's two kind of two parts of my book. One is what do we need to be honest about? Mm -hmm. And then how do we find grace in those, in those, as we honestly bring those things to the surface. And one of the first things that I ask people to do in the book is just call it hard where it's hard and, and acknowledge the things that we've lost. And like, when I think back on my experience as a young mom, I did, I did, I was conscious of the things that I had lost. Mm -hmm. um, we had just moved overseas and we were, we had gone overseas to do ministry. And then five months later, I'm a brand new mom and stuck at home, you know, <laughs> and I wow. was like, oh, and I'm watching my husband go out and do ministry. And then I also had, there were two other um, new missionaries, um, missionary families who also had babies like within months of me. So the, there were several of us that were new moms and and I looked at them and I thought they seem so much more content mm -hmm. than me to mm -hmm. be at home with their kids. Like what's wrong with me? And so there was a lot of loss of ministry, a loss of what felt like identity because too much of my identity was wrapped up in what I was doing. And I, I don't think looking back, I wish that someone had come along and said, it's okay for you to be sad that you've lost those things because those were good mm -hmm. things for you to have. Yeah. Um, so I think there's an element of we need to be willing to grieve the things we've lost. 
Um, and even just to name them. And I, I think we're afraid of that because we're afraid, well, that's complaining and I'm going to, mm. you know, I'm going to go down this road of bitterness. But I think, I think complaining, we stay focused on our circumstances. But mm. I think with honesty, it's just, it's opening ourselves up to God and to others to say, I'm, I'm struggling and I need help. And I, and I want to invite you into what I'm experiencing. I think too, in answer to your question, I think the oftentimes when in transition, you know, we feel so un, unsettled and insecure in transition, which is mm. just such a ripe time for the enemy to come in and try to make you look at some way that you're falling short. <laughs> um, and so I think, um, and oftentimes, like I think of those other moms, you know, I would compare myself to them, but the reality was they were in a totally different situation. Yeah. They were married to different men. They were, they had different children. And while you could look at it and say, well, we're all new moms, right? So we're in the same situation, but the reality is we were such different people and we have different gifts and we have different callings. And, and so I think there's a need to just sort of look at your reality objectively mm-hmm. and say, what is really true? And what's unique about me and the situation that I'm in that God wants me to enter into? I have a friend who says, you don't get to decide reality. You just have to, you just have to enter it, like enter what is really true. So yeah, yeah, I think it really starts with being honest. That's really good. That's, that's really helpful. And I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, you applied it to what we do individually with comparison, but mm-hmm. what I'm hearing is that like, we do the same thing with other people as we do with our circumstances. We idealize yeah. other people yes. and then are let down yes. when we feel like we're not like measuring up to all these ideals that we've projected on other people, but we kind of do the same thing in our circumstances yeah. too, where we yeah. idealize it should be like this you know, my Mm -hmm. life should be like this and my marriage should be like this. And I should be able to live down the street from my family (laughs) or, you know, or whatever, whatever that that should be is for me, it was not that, (laughs) (laughs) but I did have certain expectations of what I thought life was going to be like and what I thought marriage was going to be like and what I thought parenting was going to be like. And it's like time and time again, as you transition, it's like, okay, God, huh? How did I get that so so wrong? That's that's really good. You know, and what you were saying, it reminded me of something that I learned recently in terms of complaining to God. It's mm-hmm. like, so I, I think I got this from Paul Miller's book, A Praying Life. I don't know if you've ever read that. Yes. So but good. he talks about like the distinction between complaining and what like David does through the Psalms where David's like, my life is wretched. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but the difference is, is like David is categorized as lament because yes. David's heart was God, whatever you want, I'm just sold Mm -hmm. out. Like whatever Mm -hmm. you want to do with me, this hurts bad, whatever you want to do. And complaining sometimes is like, God, I wanted things my way. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Instead of like being surrendered in that mm-hmm. um, to make it lament, it's just, it's a little bit more selfish than that. So anyway, I don't know. That was, was super helpful to me. And it seems like that's, uh, that's something that you, you talk about a lot in here. That ties back to something I talk about in the book, which is expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, in each new season, we have these expectations on ourselves and on our, on our families, on our friends. And oftentimes they're their unrealized expectations. And I, I like, I think I said in the book that expectation is like desire with a defined shape. Mm-hmm. And we have, we come into new seasons with these legitimate desires, you know, a desire to be known or to be needed or to feel competent. But then we get this idea like, this is what it's going to look like. And it's tied to that ideal. 
And then if we don't examine them, then we're, we're trying so hard to live up to those expectations or we want the people around us to live up to those expectations mm-hmm. or we want God to live up to those expectations. And I think we just set ourselves up for disappointment. And then like you said, really what we need is to just kind of have this open-handed approach of God, whatever you have for me in this season, I don't know how you're going to meet these desires, but I know you see them and I know you will meet my needs in your time and in your ways, but I can't. It's that expectancy on God in a, in a hopeful way. Like I hope in your character rather than I hope in this specific thing that you'll give to me. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And then, so once you recognize that, once you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. God, I can be open-handed with this, Yeah. but okay, you still got to deal with the life and the crazy and the change, right? Yeah. So a quote from your book, you said, God is not impressed with how well we can function in yes. a given situation. Yes. Yes. And it's like, I mean, I, I am so type A. I'm so guilty of this. Like, God, look, look at how I cruised through that major crisis. Yes, yes <laughs> you know? exactly. I mean, like, it's like, you're welcome, God. You didn't yeah. have to take care of me. <laughs> exactly. But there's a better way. So how, yes. how should we do it better? <laughs> Oh, well, I think it really, um, it starts from that, I think, tied up in honesty about our situation is really a humility that says, God, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I can't meet these expectations. I can't live up to these ideals in my head. I don't want to, and I need your help. And I think that is the posture that God is hoping to bring us to. You know, when he, when he brings us into hard situations or you know, we can look at a transition and think, oh, I can, t- I can make this happen. I can do this. Right. And God's like, no, that's not why I'm bringing you yeah. into something hard. It's because he wants to bring us to these places of dependence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, that requires us really uh, to have that willingness to sit in places where we feel messy or we feel weak. And that's, nobody wants to do that. Um, but that's the only way that we're going to be able to find the measures of his strength and his help. And I, I just think, you know, it's, it would be tragic if we never came to the end of ourselves mm. because God, that's where God meets us. And, and then we see that his resources are so much greater than ours, <laughs> you know, and, and, and in that there's a, there's a freedom that he wants to give to us, like a freedom from that ideal and those expectations mm. and where it's just, I'm just living out of his strength and Every day he gives me what I need to live this and to walk through this transition. And I don't have to, I don't have to meet some standard or live up to something. I can just freely be myself. And even if being myself right now means I kind of look like a hot mess, <laughs> like that's okay. God accepts me in that place, you know, cause he's like, no, my goal for you is not that you would walk around and be strong. Yeah. My goal for you is that you would be humble Yes. And, and, you know, if that means today you're weak, that's okay. Cause I, I'm, I'm strong where you're weak. Yeah, that's really good. And I mean, you know, that just ties in perfectly with what we talk about on the show a lot is idolatry. Right. And I know you talk mm, about that in your yes. book, but yeah. it's like, it's like that idol of, I have to be able to do it all. Or yeah. in the case of women struggling with a body image idol, it's, I have to be able to look like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and God, like you said, is just right there saying, Hey, <laughs> I, I can make this easier for you. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, not that the road's going to be easy, but I can lift right. that burden that you're carrying. Yes. 
yes. um, and, and be there with you in that. So that's, that's really good. So you said something early on in the book and it really struck a chord because one of our themes this year and just some of the things that I've been doing in writing has been, don't go back to Egypt. Yes. And I think you, you mentioned that pretty early in the book and I thought, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's perfect for change too, because we do tend to idolize <laughs> where we're coming yes. from, right? Yes. So, so you want to fill that out a little bit? Body image been bogging you down for too long. It's time to get free, my friend. Go to comparejahoo.me. Take your free body image awareness quiz. You will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too because, I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to comparejahoo.me. There's lots of great resources on that site. Articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today, right after this episode, of course. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, there's a passage of scripture that's really become um, dear to me since I wrote that. I wish I'd read it before and studied it before I wrote the book because I'm sure I would have incorporated it. But um, but it's Jeremiah 29 and it, uh-huh. in 4 through 14, you know, we love to quote Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh-huh. Um, but the context of that passage is that God is talking to people who are in exile uh-huh. and it's the Israelites in exile. And this is his word to them. And at the beginning, he says, He says, build houses, plant gardens, and eat their produce. And it's this idea of like, even though you're in this place that maybe you didn't want to go to, don't look back Mm. um, and try to plant what was in the, like that phrase, plant gardens and eat what they produce. You know, I grew up in Minnesota and I love tulips and daffodils and they don't grow here. Uh-huh. <laughs> like you, cannot, you cannot grow them in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> There's um, Disney World, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. Um, and so it's sad to me when, and that's okay to grieve, but like if I spend all my time thinking, oh, I, you know, the things I love don't grow here, I'm going to miss what does grow here. Absolutely. Um, and so I think that idea of like what was in that season was for that season and what God has for you in this season might be something totally new and different. And if you're so focused on the idol of what you left behind, you will miss mm. what God is doing in this season. That's probably really good. And it could be this new thing that you didn't have before. Yeah. So, you know, again, that, that ties back to those expectations and can we hold the idea of what this should look like really loosely? Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's funny, but I was just talking to someone recently and, you know, one of their laments was, I don't look like I did when I was 20. I don't look mm. like I did when I was 25, but it's the same concept. <laughs> right. Can you be okay yeah. with the fact that in this season, you're not going to look like a 25 year old, but yeah. maybe the fact that you look more mature, maybe the fact that you look like your 50 year old self, yeah. God can use that for good. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. like, like that this is a new season, a, a season mm. of middle age, you hate the term, <laughs> but, you know, like, like that God can do something new in this season and that he's, you still have everything you need physically yes. to accomplish what it is he has for you in this season, <laughs> you know, yes. and that might not be the same as what you had physically to accomplish something in your twenties. 
<laughs> that's, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Well, would you mind just kind of sharing with us, like has comparison or body image, has that ever been a struggle for you? I know you mentioned with when you became a new mom, that comparison mm-hmm. was kind of a big thing then. Is there anything else that comes to mind when you think about your personal struggle with this? I've never struggled with this at all. Have oh, wow. <laughs> Can you believe it? Oh, no. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I think from a pretty early age, I was conscious of how I didn't fit some ideal of what, what, you know, the world was telling me I should be. When I was in middle school, my two, two of my closest friends, one was a dancer and one was an ice mm-hmm. skater. And so mm-hmm. they had these super high standards for, you know, how like they were measuring their body fat. And it was just like, so, so intense to have that, to be in that environment with them. Um, and then I was in a lot of performance arts. Okay. Um, and so, um, you know, it's always like, did I get the better role or did, you know, like there was always comparison in that as well. So it wasn't so much body image, but just comparison to other to other actors or to um, other musicians because I was in a lot of music. So yeah, I've, it's definitely been something I've had to wrestle with my whole life. And it's it's been a journey. I feel like I'm only just recently coming to a place where a, a friend of mine was talking with me recently and she challenged me like, could you, could you bless your body? And could you bless the things that even that you're wrestling with? I was telling mm-hmm. her because I, I can... Um, get tension headaches. And when I do, I get frustrated mm-hmm. with myself because I'm like, oh, it means I'm, I'm not doing well. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but that's your body telling you something important. So yeah. could you bless that and, and thank it? And so I've just been in this journey lately of trying to befriend my body and realize yeah. like this body has served me really well for 46 years. And I'm grateful for that. And it's always in a process of telling me things about how I'm doing and how my soul is doing. And I think I used to sort of treat my body as this thing that I would like kind of control and beat into submission and mm-hmm. make it try to be the way I wanted it to be. And now I feel like, no, it's my friend that's actually trying to help me and support yeah. me. Yeah. And I want to, I want to bless it and, and be yeah. grateful for it. Yeah, that's good. That's funny. I just, we had a week of prayer and fasting at our church with the staff a couple of weeks ago, actually. And we were asked to write down things that we were thankful for. And the person leading the, the exercise said, you know, write down things that you're thankful for that you don't want to write down. Mm. And, you know, I realized that even though I've been working on this body image issue for a number of years now, it was really hard for me to write down that I was thankful for my body. And so, yeah, so, I mean, I've kind of been on the same, on the same path recently of just, just being grateful for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for the way my body has served yeah. me, will serve me and that's good stuff. Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. 
May God bless your generosity. Let's go back to change for a second, because okay. I think that that I think that's something that applies to a lot of us uh, or everyone, I guess, <laughs> at some point. Yes. So you mentioned your experience with becoming a new mom and in a new yeah. situation, but do you think the temptation to compare ourselves to others? just increases during times of change? I definitely think it does. I think because like I said before, you know, it's such an unsettling place to be. Often you, you know, you, you tend to lose connection with others, um, whether it's because you, you know, got married or you moved to a new city or you're in a new job. So, you know, relationally you might feel unsettled and um, maybe you don't feel as competent as you did previously because you're in a new situation or you maybe feel like you just don't have like I, I felt this as a new mom, like how do I contribute in this season with mm-hmm. the gifts that I have? And so I think all those things add up to us feeling this sense of like, what's my identity and who am mm-hmm. I in this new situation? And whenever we feel insecure like that, I think the enemy loves to knock us out of the knees. If he can take our eyes off of God and take it to a, a horizontal view where I'm looking around me and trying to find some standard to compare myself to rather than just you know, resting in, I am God's child. That's enough. That's, that's the end of the story. And I think, you know, I think about like the, the transition back to the U S for my husband and I, we were in the same situation. We both moved back. We both lived in the same house. Right. But, um, you know, he had a job right off the bat in our ministry. He'd been asked to come back and take a specific role and I had not. So I lost all that I had there. And I came back and we live five minutes from our office. So my husband would go every day to the office, work with people that he knew, mm-hmm. doing a job he knew. Mm-hmm. And, and I was here with our two children who never lived in America. <laughs> and, you know, don't, they'd never been in school before. I'd homeschooled them. And I'm, my daughter joined the soccer team. And so I was finding every soccer field in the greater Orlando area. And, and I get so that. I, and, I did, yeah, and I didn't know where any of them were. And so mm-hmm. I just was like, I was just swirling in incompetence and in disconnection from people. And so I would look at my husband and be like, he's doing so well. And he's the kind of person who like can handle ridiculous levels of stress. And it just is like water off a duck's back to him. So I would just think, I think the enemy at first was just like, you know, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you that you're such a mess and you can't? And again, like I said earlier, that's it, it was we were in such different situations. Yeah. But the, the enemy doesn't make you think objectively. No, <laughs> absolutely like not. that. You know, <laughs> you 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 look at all, you know all of the wrong things, and so yeah. Or I had a good friend who moved back at the same time, also from the same city, moved here, and um, and she seemed she's told me she's like, yeah, I'm doing really well. This is super easy transition for me, <laughs> and I'm like what's wrong with me? Uh-huh. But she was in a very different situation. She got involved with a different community right off the bat. And so, you know, we were in different places and God wanted to do different things in us. Yeah. You know, I think God was using the transition in my life in a different way from my husband's, yeah. um, in a different way from my friends, different way from my kids. Those are all different things to deal with. And you needed material for the book. <laughs> I did. And I needed time to write the book. So. <laughs> I mean, those first couple of years, I was, I was living in obscurity, but I was writing a book. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I get that too. <laughs> well, so, but what do you do? What do you do when the enemy tempts you with, it's not fair? Mm. It's not fair. 
Yeah. It's not fair that this is happening to me. It's not fair <laughs> that I have to walk through this. It's not fair that it's not happening to them the same way it's happening to me. Yeah. What do you do with that? Oh, that's a good question. I have to say my daughter is really good at that. It's not fair phrase. She loves that uh-huh. phrase. Uh-huh. Um, cause she sees, she loves justice. And so she, um, you know, I think when we do that, I think it really, I think it's in chapter two, I talk about this idea of, of this being an assignment from God. Mm-hmm. I think one of the hardest, the hardest times of transition for me to receive was becoming a new mom because uh, I found out I was pregnant at our cross-cultural ministry training that we went to months before we were going overseas. And that was not my plan to yeah. be pregnant at that time. Yeah. And I would lay awake at night and I would just wrestle with God and I would cry and be like, I don't understand what you're doing. And um, and he really spoke to me that summer through Psalm 16, 5 and 6. And he talks about the fact that that he has assigned us our portion in, mm-hmm. in our cup. And this, mm-hmm. this is this, and the boundary lines are falling yep. in good places and all that. And, and I just, he kept bringing that, those verses to mind and just really challenged me like, Gina, will you receive this as something that is from the hands of a God who knows you and loves you yeah. and I'm good and I'm sovereign. And so I was like, okay, fine. Like challenged, accepted, I, but I was yeah. like gritted, gritted teeth, you know, but yeah. I think that's just been something that he keeps bringing me back to is Gina, will you receive this? from me and believe that even this thing that you don't want could be good. Um, and so I think whenever we're saying it's not fair, what we're saying is, God, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. What you're giving me isn't right. And I should have this thing that someone else has. And I think that just, it keeps us from receiving from him and it keeps us from experiencing whatever it is he wants us to experience. So I think that is a, I think if we find ourselves saying that, it's just a good a good red flag to go back and say, how am I really, how am I really relating to God right now? Am I willing yeah. to receive what he's given me? Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Yeah. We walked through that, that passage in the Psalms a couple weeks ago mm. too. So I knew that's a really, that's just a great, I tell you, it's Psalm 16, right? I was thinking seven. Yes. Yes. Psalm 16. So Psalm 16, I mean, there's also, it's just some great truths in that, in that chapter about how he's protected us. Yeah. And how, you know, he keeps us secure mm-hmm. and it all works together. Right. It's yeah. like, it, you can't just say it's not fair. I mean, we right. say that, but you know, the heart behind it, and this is the heart of a good father who yeah. says, no, I've got this all planned out for you mm-hmm. and I will keep you safe and secure in, inside these lines. Like yeah. you really want to be outside of these lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's well, really good. Go ahead. What's, I think there's an interesting flip to that where, you know, we might look at our, someone else's situation and say, I wish that I had theirs, but I think especially in transition, there's a way that we can flip that around and, and say like, well, at least I'm not like, at least mm-hmm. my situation isn't that, or at least mm-hmm. my, you know, at least I'm not in that situation. And I think we think it's a good thing to do that. Mm-hmm. But what I've realized in transition is that when we do that, generally we're trying to just avoid our own pain yeah. and we're trying to shut down our own desire for something. And, um, and I think, you know, I know Brene Brown says at least like the phrase at least is rarely the beginning of an empathetic statement. Uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah, that's it's good. usually a way to shut ourselves down. And, yeah. and I've, I've had to become aware of that. Even there was a, several months ago, my husband and I were 
talking and I was sharing something hard with him and he said, well, at least this isn't happening. And then we both stopped and I looked at him and I said, are you really going to say that? And he's, like, he's like, I heard it as soon as I started saying uh-huh. it, you know, but then it became this joke. Like if we were talking about something hard, we would say, well, at least this isn't happening, you know, uh-huh. but, um, but I think it's good to be aware of the way that we can use comparison, even the, the other way to just mm-hmm. to keep ourselves from being honest about what we're really feeling and experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm going to be the at least police now. I think. I'll be listening for that everywhere. Right. Um, that's, that's really good. As we kind of tie things up today, what's one piece of encouragement that you would give to any woman listening mm. who's maybe she is in the thick of change. Maybe she is a new mom. Maybe she's just moved to a new city and knows no one. Maybe she's moved mm. halfway across the world like you did and knows no one. What's, what's your best advice for them? Aside from read your book, because I think they should right. do that first <laughs> and foremost. That. <laughs> but, but what's your best piece of advice? Where should they start? Uh, yeah. One of the things that I really hammer down on in the book is just the fact that whatever has changed in your life, there are things that have not changed. Um, and that starts with who God is and who you are. Um, and the more that you are looking at him and his character and asking yourself, how am I experiencing him in this? And then reminding yourself of who you are in him and the way that he's uniquely designed you and, and the uniqueness of your circumstances. I think that just, it takes your eyes off the things around you and it puts it back on what is true and what is unchanging And I think the more you do that, I think that's where we find our security and our freedom and our rest. So I would say just drill down into that, drill down into who he says you are and, um, and who he is, because that's where you're going to find the the solidness that you're seeking. That's really good. I love that. Gina's book, it's Gina Butts and it's B-U-T-Z and her book is called Making Peace with Change, Navigating Life's Messy Transitions with Honesty and Grace. And you're going to be able to get it everywhere now because it's after February 4th. Um, (laughs) Gina, tell everyone where else they can connect with you. Sure. I have um, an author page on Facebook, which is Gina Brenna Butts Writer. So I post things there. Um, In addition to my blog posts, I just post just encouraging thoughts and things. Um, I do have a blog, ginabutts.com. And um, I'm also on Twitter. I, um, Twitter and Instagram, I'm Gina underscore Butts on both okay. of those. Great. Well, and I'll put all those links in the show notes to make it easy Great. for everyone to connect okay. with you. But um, <laughs> just in case you're just listening and not looking right now, I'll give you <laughs> place, give the listeners a place to connect with you. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate what you're doing. And I think helping women navigate change is so important. So thank you for your book and for what you're doing on this issue, because I think you're going to impact a lot of people's lives. Lives. So thanks for being obedient to the Lord. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Heather. Well, that is all for today's episode of Compared to Who. I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. 
Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. I found myself on a ledge, three stories high at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yates. I'm a caring father, mentor, and friend in my new podcast, Billy and the Goat. I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com.